Hey, I'm R. Allen Brooks. This is... I'm Dele Johnson, and uh, I'm editor-producer of How Art is Born, and you know Alan is the host. Yeah, so you see more of me, but Dele makes all the cool stuff happen behind the scenes. So we had a cool conversation with Kaneem. Uh, I got to say, there was a lot of... Uh, we got to talk a lot about identity. Yeah. And uh, how art can be a way to find your identity or strengthen your identity. And, uh, you know, when, when people actually get to listen to it, I think you're just going to hear a lot of those cool themes. Yeah, and I, I think it was cool that you all had a chance to connect on, like, growing up in the South. Yeah. You both had similar experiences in different regions of the South, which right. I, I thought was, was really interesting to see uh, that part of the conversation develop. Yeah, and specifically... Uh, being Southern but not fitting in with Southern paradigms yeah. and trying to find your way as as a human being and then secondarily as an artist. So yeah, I'm really I'm really proud of how that conversation came out and I felt like uh I felt like I got a lot out of it, honestly, you know? Yeah, yeah. That was that was cool. This is our premiere for yes. season three, artist Kaneem Smith. So right let's get into it. All right, you guys check it out. Welcome to How Art is Born, a podcast from the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practices. I'm your host, R. Alan Brooks, artist, writer, and professor. Today I'm joined by Houston-based visual artist and educator, Kaneem Smith. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> so uh, to start us off, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? My name is Kaneem Smith. I am... Uh, I, could, I call myself, I guess, mixed media visual artist, uh, meaning I work in multiple, um, I, work with, I work with a multitude of different materials. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess for years I called myself just a sculptor, but then I started diving into other areas of my artistic practice. And so that's why now, now I'm saying mixed media. Not yeah. necessarily multimedia with um, technology per se, but different materials and ways of working, ways of hmm. cre- being creative. Okay, so one of my my first sort of significant connections with black sculpture was Thomas Blackshear. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that really kind of stood out to me a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, because I would just see him all the time, and I was like, these are dope! You know, so, yeah. Uh, what, what, because uh, it sounded like you started with sculpture and then moved into mixed media. Yeah, I think, um, I guess what I mean by that is that I was primarily just working um, three-dimensionally with uh, materials uh, such as wax mm-hmm. and clay and wood hmm. and even like working with, uh, doing a little bit of metal working, but just, it was always uh, three-dimensionally because now I'm, I'm doing things that are more... Um, that are more wall-based or even mm. even if they're sus- or suspended works that maybe they're not attached to the wall, they're flat or they're, uh, they're not necessarily, uh, they're more relief-based, I should say. They're more of a relief piece. They're, they're more dimensional. They huh. uh, they pop out from, from a flat surface, but they're not necessarily uh, can be seen from all sides yeah. or huh. can be appreciated from all sides, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, well, okay, so let's... Rewind, get deep into like what this stuff means to you. So I, I often start by asking people, um, what was the first time that you remember art having a substantial effect on you or meaning or anything like that? 
Wow. For um, <laughs> some people, it's so ingrained in their lives that they can't identify a first time. Has it like always been with you, or do you have like a moment? Um, I'm going to say it's always been with me. My my, my father, um, he's well retired now, but he he's he is a sculptor. He's an artist oh, okay. himself, and I he's definitely a great influence on you know I guess the the path I took in life. But um, I guess what I'm so what I'm saying is that when I uh, when when I say that I've, it's all it's ingrained in me. It's I've, I've been um, I think I was like six or seven years. Actually, we moved to Texas when I was seven. Okay. So I started taking art classes at huh. this uh, at what's called uh, the Glasgow Glasgow School of Art that's uh, affiliated with the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. They have classes for uh, for children mm-hmm. and adults, and I started. Uh, my father put my brother and I in uh, so, some ceramic classes, some some classes where we could, uh, we, you know, classes for children, basically working with different materials. Around how? And I was just I was you? around seven, oh, eight okay. years old, okay. and um, just and it wasn't like I I knew that's what I wanted to do right then and there, but I. I knew I felt that that was a way to express myself because I was pretty, uh, you know, I was more. I'm definitely, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely more of a shy or uh, should I say more uh, introspective person. Mm-hmm. And I think being creative or doing creative things or making things with my hands really helped me sort of open up. And made me uh, it bec- it uh, helped me become more social and more. Um, and a bit more confident just going out into the world hmm. growing up, even though I had all kinds of things happen to me when I was growing up. But um, I felt like that was something that I had because uh, uh, coming from having been born in Buffalo, New York, mm-hmm. moving to Houston, Texas as a child, uh, like I said, I was around seven, eight years old, hmm. uh, being teased because you sound white or you sound different. Um, you didn't definitely and didn't I sound, didn't understand that. You definitely didn't sound Texan, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. So coming out of that, mm-hmm. like I wasn't black enough. I wasn't this enough. I was. Mm-hmm. So you're. Uh, so coming into that and growing up with that and trying to find my way. Yeah. Being creative uh, was like my outlet. Was like uh, huh. my safe space. You oh, know. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so uh, before we start recording, we talked about um, you being born in. Buffalo, yeah. me being born in Ithaca, New yes, York. Yes, yeah. Um, and the way things happened for me is I moved, my parents moved down to Asheville, North Carolina, um, like when I was one. Wow. But we moved to Atlanta when I was eight, which is where my mother grew up. So, like, all her family's there. Mm-hmm. And so there was some of that same stuff, you know, like, you don't yeah. talk like us, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the funny thing is that when you go to, I mean, this is, and this is uh, purely my opinion, purely my perspective, my experience. Um, the East that, uh, you know, up, upstate New York, mm-hmm. quote unquote, um, a lot of people sound like me, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people of color, people such as myself, they, I, I felt like they, I felt like it felt normal. I felt like I was here. I could hear myself speaking mm-hmm. in other people. So it didn't, so I didn't see, I didn't understand what was wrong with the yeah. way I was speaking. So, yeah. but anyway. Just when you show different, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know, like, so you spent your teenage years definitely in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I found um, rapping and stuff like that. Like, you know, the more I was there, like, either 
some of my accent became a little more like that. But it that certainly just felt like the way people talk, even if I ain't talk like that, you know? Right. Yeah, so how do we finna get this thing going? Like that kind of oh thing. Oh my you know? goodness, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm, uh, and I have the pleasure of being here in Denver today yeah. um, uh, in relation to the Dirty South exhibition. And I have to say that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm honored to be part of the show. And I, although I, my dialect or my, maybe uh, my background with my parents, my parental background was definitely Southern. Mm -hmm. South Carolina, my father's side, like I've got to say South Carolina, Barbados, Virginia. And then my mother, North Carolina. Um, so the South is in me. Right. But pop, my dad got a job teaching at University of Buffalo and. Right. So yeah. That's the thing, right? It's in your soul, you know. So it's like it doesn't born out there. Right. You know, like we don't we don't have to rock a grill. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's with you. It's part of who you are. <laughs> Thank you, yes. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Okay, so you were making art at seven. Um Well I, well, I I don't know if I'd call it making art, but I was I was I was making things and um I don't think my my parents held on to maybe, but they held on a lot of my drawings and things that I did mm. when I was much younger, when I was around age, a little older. But um, I don't I don't know if I was calling it art, but I definitely I definitely loved what I was doing. I was uh, I was enamored by it. I was definitely mm. enamored by what my father was doing. Oh. Working, you know, completely different. He he worked in welded steel. Yeah, uh, oh. he draws. He works with oil stick. Uh, or graphite or charcoal and the and he's and his he's much more abstract but um like my father I, definitely an artist for sure he was making artwork and yeah. me i was just i wasn't i don't consider my what i was doing playing but i was definitely I don't know what. I don't know how to. <laughs> well, you described that. it though. You described yeah. it as an escape. Definitely from, an escape. Uh, like the rejection of people, you know, oh, like my saying goodness. you weren't black enough or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So yeah. you found some like solace, yeah. some healing in it. Absolutely, and uh, because I, you know, you know, a lot, you know, being being a child that was was that was bullied to some extent as a young person. Mm -hmm. One of the things that sort of saved me was that uh, the drawings I would make for people, <laughs> this, huh. instead of you know hopefully not being bullied or beat up that time, I, I was able to um, <laughs> make uh, you know this well draw me something or make me something, and I would that would be my way of getting out of that, right? Out of you know yeah, being, uh, you know that was your currency, right? Exactly, huh. getting out of that situation or okay, getting excused from being taunted that day. Well, so it seems early on that art for you was um, cathartic, right? It was something Absolutely. healing for you. Absolutely, uh, is it is it still that for you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so like, there's a there's a in, on all these conversations with artists, I mm -hmm. talk about how some people do art to heal themselves, some people do art to heal the world, some people do it for both. Um, how is it for you? Like, is it still mostly for you or are you trying to say something to the world with the art that you create? It's, it's most definitely for me, but it's not, it's not selfishly for me. It's, um, it's not selfishly for me, but it's, um, so 
I'm, I'm going to say heal. I, w- I would love that if my work healed the world, <laughs> if what or what I was doing or what I was putting out there was very healing. And it is. And it is. I noticed that um, I, I get moved when people are moved by the things that I've made or the things I present um, mm. in an exhibition or a gallery or or in a project. Um, so I'm not just making it for myself, um, but I'm making it representing myself and also representing who I am as uh, as a black American, as a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the term, and this is, you know, called me old school, but I like the term I've been hearing lately called FBA, Foundational Black American. I okay. love that. So I, I would like to I, I would like to adopt that for myself. <laughs> right on. Um, you know, uh, as as I can imagine, you and other people, because you know, there's we're we're um, we're definitely black people, but we're a mixture of so many things. Yeah, yeah. And all of that's in a sense. Um, but. I make my work for myself, but I also, but but more importantly, I make make it for uh, to connect connect with people to to um, to connect with people, but also I guess to invite invite people to uh, I want I want um, I want people to be drawn or invited to or feel invited to what I'm presenting and relate to it in some way it's like something that i'm sharing i'm sharing myself with yeah the audience or with whomever i love that seeing the work yeah okay that was such a good answer seriously NCA Denver at the Holiday Theater is a year-round performance and event space that is an extension of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver. The Holiday is home to a spectrum of creative expression, including original productions, live music, film screenings, artist talks, and serial programming like Mixed Taste and Cinema Azteca, as well as performances and events presented by other cultural organizations. The theater is also available for private rentals. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash holiday dash theater to learn more. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, you know, there's so much about the, the journey of art, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, when you, you said that when you were um, sort of creating things at a young yeah. age, you weren't calling it art yet. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to be a quote unquote artist? Maybe it's cliche to say this, but like high, for me, definitely high school. Okay. Um, I was... Um, I like well, tell myself even to the state. I felt lucky enough to have been part of uh, be, being an alum of an amazing school, uh, Houston, the Houston uh, High School for Performing and Visual Arts (HSPVA). Okay. The Performing Arts High School in Houston, Texas, and um, I, because I thought I thought what I was doing was pretty badass, but until <laughs> I got there. Huh. I saw everyone else around me was badass. <laughs> so okay. I felt like, oh, okay. It humbled me, but I I felt I definitely felt more accepted. Huh. But did I but I'm am I but I'm not looking to be accepted to assimilate. Yeah. To wanting to be someone else or, or, or doing something else. But I definitely felt like what I was doing was legitimate or uh, and people liked it enough where it was something that I felt like I could do mm-hmm. and do well. Hmm. Okay. 
So uh, being in that community with other artists, that was kind of that transformation for you where you were like. Yeah. And okay. having um, and having teachers that um, not all of them, but most of them encouraging um, <laughs> the visual arts teachers that I had. Yeah. Um, told, you know, not that they, they didn't just and they didn't even necessarily tell me I had talent, but they liked what I was doing creatively. They liked my ideas. They encouraged me to continue to build on those ideas. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Mm. Well, I laughed when you said not all of them because uh, my art teachers oh, yeah. used to shit on the fact that I like comic books like all oh the time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I rarely made an A in my art classes. Yeah. And, um, I was, and I was really troubled by that. But uh, years later, as an adult, I came to realize that that was probably one of the best parts of my education because when you're getting a B or, or a C... On, yeah. a, on a on a project just made me work harder towards getting that A. It made me it made me work harder because if you're just giving you're, you're just if you're just giving someone high marks or high praise on a on something they've created, yeah, they're gonna that's it levels it kind of it it would kind of level me out and feel like okay this is all I need to do I don't have to work towards getting better or developing right. my skills any further than this. Were you uh, working mostly with clay in high school or was it like drawing, sculpture, painting? I was doing mostly mostly, mostly sculpture, but um, in high school we, we also had uh, painting classes, hmm. design, um, drawing obviously. Yeah. I guess the last two years, even the last year of high school was where we were able to really focus in or, or hone in oh. on one or two things. Okay. And for me, it was definitely um, uh, working three-dimensionally. And my artistic practice now was definitely not what I was doing in high school. Hmm. I really didn't start working with fiber the way that I work with it now or yeah. fiber-based media until I got to college. Okay. Okay. So back then mm -hmm. in the high school classes where you're focused on uh, three-dimensional, was it a, were you doing abstract sculpture or like literal? That's an excellent question. I, uh, and I, and thanks, thanks, thankfully because of my parents holding uh -huh. on to some of the things I did in high school, <laughs> I was very figurative. I was, huh. um, okay. I was looking at uh, not just uh, uh, West African figurative based and and uh, and slightly abstract, but representational figurative art. Yeah, I was also looking at uh, Italian Renaissance figurative art, like Michelangelo, huh. and um, so basically the human body, the human figure, right, uh, was very appealing to me at the time. But once I got to college. I kind of, I be, I don't know. I just not that I went far left from it, but I just kind of hmm. evolved from working representationally and just got a little more. It became more about material um, in place of something representational that huh. represents a person or a thing. Um, See, this is interesting to me because okay, so anybody. Who's listening can Google your work and kind of see examples of things mm -hmm. you've done. Yeah, but I, I'm interested in what it what it meant to you, like to move from a represent, representational sculpture mm -hmm. to uh, to a little more abstract stuff. Like, what did the art mean to you in the creation of it? Were you trying to communicate something, or was it just what it felt right to you? Or 
it felt it felt right to me. It was something that I was interested in, and it had and definitely what I was studying, what I was looking at, what I was reading. Mm. I spent a lot of time in in the libraries, particularly huh. in the art section of the library. Okay, but looking at art books. Western, primarily like Western, uh, more abstract works. I was looking at artists whose works were uh, figurative, but weren't necessarily uh, realistic or representational. It was, it was like I could I could represent the body, represent the idea of the body or a person without actually, hmm. without it having to look like a person. Yeah, And therefore, I was able to connect with people who weren't necessarily, you know, you know, black like myself, people of other backgrounds, um, mm. because it was something that I don't know why, but for some reason that always resonated with me to be able to connect, yeah, or have the work to connect with people who are of other ethnicities and other backgrounds mm -hmm. and draw from it um, their own experiences. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, that always appealed to me, and I felt like when I got to college, I started, I was, I felt more comfortable doing that. And I discovered, like my first, my first, um, my first art, my first uh, first day of art class, freshman year. Um, my sculpture, my I was taking sculpture. I was very excited to take sculpture. Mm. I don't want to say I had a, I had a, I had a teacher who was an amazing artist, mm. but wasn't necessarily an amazing teacher. Uh. Um, but. Like many artists, and I can even relate to this, um, having taught myself over the years, um, he himself is an amazing artist, but I think it was I think it was more of a job for him rather than something he was passionate about. Right. So our first assignment was to grab something in the room and make something with it. Hmm. You know, That's and cool. there was there was like a bag of plaster here, there was some bags of clay, there was uh some wood, just uh, random wood, uh, wood blocks and hmm. uh, shapes people could work with. There was, um, uh, what else? There was, uh, what else did we have? I want to say, oh, wire. Wire was a big deal. I was thinking uh. about something metal, metal. So malleable wire. There were things that we could do to manipulate. And, right. But, um, and I, I looked over and I saw what I was drawn to was a was a roll of burlap in the corner of the classroom. <laughs> okay. And I just, I, I know it sounds random, but I just unraveled it and started cutting it up and just, uh, you know, gluing it back together or twisting it tight and just, just seeing what I could do with it, breaking it apart, having it unravel. And I just started really falling in love with it. Huh. Uh, but burlap. And burlap is something. Burlap is something I use quite a bit in my work, my artistic practice now. But it is not an easy material to work with, and it sheds. And right. but it's organic. It's it's connected to the earth. Hmm. I love the way it smelled. Um, also, it all it had it had a story behind it. It had a history behind it. Particularly and especially the burlap that I work with now, because I like working with reclaimed coffee bags and huh. potato sacks and things that uh, were handmade right and it come from different parts of the world and it just felt like all of it, it just it just opened up a great deal for me hmm. but as but getting back to being a freshman and in, in, in that in that classroom right. I started making shapes just simple shapes simple uh, 
uh, like canoe shapes and and stitching those things, like crudely stitching those things together. Because at that time, I really, I was just playing. I really wasn't. Uh, I knew that it was an assignment. We knew it was an assignment where we were going to be graded on it. But it was something introductory. We weren't, you know, it wasn't going to be. We're going to be critiqued in such a way where it had to be perfect or had to be, you know, one thing or another. It was like the beginning of the class to get us comfortable with the idea of working, experimenting with materials. But it's just something I fell in love with. I think that that high school and then uh, undergraduate years of college is when I felt like this is what I really, yeah, yeah, this is what I really want to do. Now, my father, who's, who's an artist himself, he super supportive, but at the same time, he was very frank with me that, you know, he says, well, is you sure this is what you want to do? Hmm. Um, being, you know, being a woman, being, being a black, uh, a black woman, it's not going to be easy for you. Right. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I still carry that now, but that just, that just resonated with me with us that, I mean, he was really right about that. <laughs> it ain't easy. It wasn't. It's but, not, yeah. But I was, you know, just I, I can imagine, you know, you're being a creative artist and mm. musician. It's, there's something inside. You're just passionate. You're just in love. I mean, what can you do? Right. It's part of you. Yeah. You know? Hmm. It's a whole And journey. I knew it was going to be yeah. a struggle. And it has been. It hmm. hasn't been. Yeah. It's definitely had its struggles for sure. That's the thing, I, you know, I figured out, like, um, my parents were both very supportive of me being creative, but I think they also had a lot of fear around it because it made yeah. me stand out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I had a lot of struggle with that for myself in my 20s and teens. Um, but in more recent years, I come to understand that they grew up. They were both born within a few years of Emmett Till being lynched. Wow. So... They grew up in a reality of if you stood out as a black boy or as a black person, you know, you could be murdered. And so I think it was reasonable for them to be fearful about me standing out as an artist, even though it wasn't reasonable for my reality and how I was growing up. Right. Based on what they had grown up in, that was a reasonable fear. Wow. And, And it's not to say that, like all of that danger is completely gone, mm-hmm. uh, but things have just shifted in a, in a different kind of way, right? Right. And so um, when I look at our struggles about how long my hair was or how I dressed or things like that, when mm-hmm. I look at that through that lens, mm-hmm. I have a lot more compassionate view of it, you know? Wow. No, that's powerful. I can relate to that for mm-hmm. sure. Um. So that, what, and what I'm, what I mean by that is, I can relate to that you have much, a much more passionate view about it. Yeah, that's the way I feel as mm. well. Uh, from my, from my experience, for sure. But that's powerful. Um, and I, you know what? That's interesting. You said that. That yeah, I can, I can imagine a parent being fearful. You know, you want, you want your children to be successful and safe, and you know, and you want them to have the things you didn't have, and for life to be easy and great for them and uh, not to struggle. But um, the Emmett Till, I had, wow, that's powerful. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing. You know, you think about, like, um, I, I love being black. I feel like it's such a like an honor, right? It's yeah. a wonderful thing. But it's not 
my first thought about everything every day, right? Like I'm not waking up me and being either. like, let me have my black day, right? Um, <laughs> so if uh, what's compelling me inwardly is like um, my desire to create, my desire to make something beautiful or um, create something that comments on the world or whatever it is that mm-hmm. pushes me forward, like that's not, that that comes from inside. It's not attached to oppression, racism, the structure of society Mm -hmm. but then when you decide to live a life that's led by those things it's affected by those outside things absolutely and it was for me as well in ways i hadn't i could i I never could have imagined um oh and also you know as i can imagine a lot of people relate to parents telling you how are you going to make a living how are you going to support yourself doing that I mean, that's a real thing, too. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, there's a, I mean, there's a way that um, art and commerce, particularly in this country, seem to be so sort of inextricably bound. Like, mm-hmm. if your art is not making a lot of money, mm-hmm. it doesn't have value, mm-hmm. which I don't think is true. I think art has value just for itself. Mm-hmm. And then business is a separate thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. creating art's one thing, yeah. selling it is a whole other thing. Yeah. And you have to decide whether you want to sell it, whether you want to make a living off of it. Mm-hmm. And that's business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not the value of the art. But generally speaking, like if you tell somebody, hey, I'm going to go work on my art, they treat it like uh, like you're playing, like you're not serious. Oh, yeah. yeah. But if you say, hey, yeah. I'm going to go do my taxes, they leave you alone. There you go. <laughs> it's like people asking you what you do. Mm-hmm. You tell them you're an artist. They go, well, no, well, what do you really do? <laughs> right. What do you really do? That's that's a hobby. That's not a job, right? You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a it's not a f- profession. I mean, that's yeah. It's such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. It is, and so like in order to be an artist, and especially a black artist, you have to uh, you have to be internally validated, essentially. Wow. And push forward with the vision of what you believe. And sometimes it's to your detriment, you know? Yes. And then sometimes there are successes, you know? But I think um, if you're evaluating honestly for yourself, even if it, even if there is a detriment, mm-hmm. this is the life I wanted to lead. Yes. Then there's a lot more peace for it, you know? Oh, absolutely. Doesn't it feel gratifying when something is successful on your, on your terms? Yes. You feel great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and all the times when I was younger and uh, gave in to great pressure to conform and try to be in those other worlds that were not on mm-hmm. my terms, yeah. I wasn't good at it. You know, I feel like I would just have what I thought was uh, a normal conversation with somebody, and they mm-hmm. would walk away and be like, he is so controversial. <laughs> you oh, know, like that kind of stuff. right. And I'd be like, well, I didn't, what did I say? Like, you know, but I think it's just uh, if you, and so I grew up in Southern, Southern Church, um, so that's like doubly confining, right? Because wow. Southern is already confining. And then it is. And then, yeah, so Southern Black Church, right? And so, yeah. Uh, so that's like the double whammy. So, yeah. like me just expressing a simple idea mm-hmm. in, that, in that world. Like, I remember I, I worked, okay, so my first job out of, uh, so I grew up in this church. When I joined it, it was like 30 people. And this was in Atlanta? Yeah. Okay. Uh, when I joined, it was like 30 people. And when I, um, by the time I got back from college, it was like 20,000. Wow. And, and they hired me to, to produce their TV broadcast. This is a Creflo Dollar. I don't know if you Oh, my God. That church. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so uh, I was working there in my 20s, and uh, 
I had a boss who was who had a whole meeting because I used the word archaic in a memo. <laughs> and uh, I happened to walk in on it because it wasn't like in his office. It was in my office because wow. uh, I shared an office. With, but they mm-hmm. were having a whole meeting about, cause, cause, and I think maybe he had to look the word up or something like that. But like they asked me to describe the way that they asked me to do research on the way that they do their radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I said, based on my research, the way we do it is archaic, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, but he didn't have to call it archaic. You know, it was like a whole thing, right? And so this is like an, an example of where... Um, I'm expressing a thought that I think is innocuous, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not trying to insult anybody. Mm -hmm. Like the word means what it means, you know? And I was just using that word to describe, you know? But it was like a whole thing. And this kind of stuff, this kind of thing used to happen to me constantly where like I'm just having what I think is a normal conversation on his face. Mm -hmm. And then everybody walks away like, oh, he's different. He's weird. Like what's he trying to say? You know, like just a whole... There'll be a whole subtext that I didn't wow. get, you know? And so, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Go ahead, so when you that. walked in, on, so what happened? Uh, well, they, the, the people who were talking about it, they both were like, so why did you use this word? Why was it, you know, and it was just like a whole thing. Yeah. Like it wasn't, wow. you know, and, and I was like, wait, which, because I didn't even remember that I used the word, mm-hmm. you know, um, because uh, old wouldn't have been sufficient in my mind because to say like we do it in the old way, right? You know, right? Uh, I could have said outdated, perhaps. I don't know, but who knows? You know, did they understand what it meant? Uh, I think that they looked it up. Okay. But the problem is that they couldn't have a straight conversation with me about it. Like it wasn't like um, wow. Like if I if I would have asked, do you know? Did you know what it meant? That would have been that would have made it worse. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Especially if people are feeling like uh, insecure about their intelligence or whatever, you know. Right. But so, yeah, it was just the whole thing. And, and I found um, that my if my art is an extension of my truest self mm-hmm. and my truest self is being um, confined and mm-hmm. sort of beat down by people's insecurities and fears, then I have to remove myself out of the environment so that I can be my fullest self and then create the art that is meaningful to me. Right. And so uh, that was, you know, kind of my journey. You look like you're having thoughts about it. Yeah? No? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for you in Texas. Yes. um, Growing up there, and obviously you've traveled with your work and you've gone to school in different places and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, Was it a journey for you to be able to find your most authentic voice in your art? Absolutely. Um, And I'm going to say finding my authentic voice through the material I was working with Hmm. or the materials I was working with. Okay. Because I guess because of, uh, I've got, I mean, the, the, the group of peers I have in terms of artists that I know of my generation, just amazing, amazing artists. And, um, I didn't, didn't know where I fit into that or, what niche I had in that, or if I had one at all. And mm. um, I'm at a point now where I'm like, you know, if I'm in my own lane, I'm in my own lane. Um, and I'm much more at peace with it. Yeah. Whereas before Good. it was like, uh, you know, someone's organizing a group show of young black artists and they, you know, they bring, they, they invite certain artists or they select certain artists 
And sometimes I'd be left out of that Mm -hmm. and I would take it personally. But my work really just didn't fit in with the aesthetic of what what the show they were putting together or the concept they were working through or... Right. Yeah. And yeah, I've always felt like the odd woman out here and there, but now I'm at a point where it's just like, yeah, I'm in my own lane. Nice. Yeah. We are here. We're doing it. Absolutely. All right. So um, switch gears. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like to bring this up a lot. Uh, Most artists in their process deal with fear. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask what it's like when it comes up and how do you get your, how do you find your way through it in order to complete things? I have to either drown out or try to ignore that side of myself that second guesses that Mm. says that, oh, maybe this isn't good enough or it's not right or maybe I shouldn't be doing this or that or um, or if I'm putting some, or if I have an idea and I'm worried that it won't be understood or accepted or appreciated. Um, the and I guess it's the fear of the fear of not making something good or powerful or or something that people connect can connect with or mm. uh, would enjoy or appreciate. It's like, yeah, I mean. Is it the fear of acceptance? I hate to say that. I don't. When I say that, I'm not saying that I'm wanting to assimilate or be. You know, I want you to accept me. Um, but the fear of success, the fear, of the success of doing something creatively and having it come out right or having it come out successfully. Uh, the fear of that kind of success. Of the fear of failure. Right. Failure as a visual artist failure within my career failure within myself it's the fear of failure mm. visually the f- yeah yeah well you know i mean on some level uh, art is essentially presenting a piece of our soul to the world yeah you know so like absolutely if, however they react to it is going to be you know like it's a tender thing right so it, it can't That's affect right. us it's, yes it's our baby. We're putting it out. Oops, we're putting right. it out there in the world. We're putting hmm. in the, we're putting our baby out there in the world. So your way of moving through it is just the f- my my way of moving through it is stopping myself from procrastinating from accomplishing it or following through with an idea or a hmm. concept. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more I have this conversation with people, like people have all kinds of ways. Some people uh talk to other artists friends. Mm-hmm. Um some artists just accept that it's part of the process of creating art. And when it, you put it in that context, it kind of has a little less bite to it. That's well said. Yeah, it's the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's always it's always good to hear, you know, what different people's perspective is about it. What are you working on these days? These days I am working on um, projects that are that are going that are public projects that are um, whether it be a permanent work of art or if it's uh, something that I'm creating that's uh, that's temporary and and also larger scale. But I guess I'm working. I guess I'm yeah. I'm working on I get working on work that's public based. That's that's out, that's outdoors. I'm working on taking my work from it's sort of a sort of protected. Um, 
because you know the materials I work with, one of one of which is like I work with cut, raw cotton, burlap, huh. things that if I put these things outside or present them outside oh. the way I present them indoors, right. they won't are they going to get right? Will it stand up? <laughs> will it hold up? Yeah. So that's what I'm working on right huh. now, and I have um, a project um, that I'm excited about in Houston, Texas, that I'm working on. Uh, uh, I'm part of a, a group show experience that's going to be outdoors in the woods, hmm. and I'm creating an installation that's uh, an ephemeral installation that's temporary. But uh, it's going to be designed to, I'm going to allow it to deteriorate. I'm going to allow huh. it to weather okay. to see what will happen. That sounds cool. And, the people curating the show or organizing the show understand that, yeah. and they're and it's something that they invite. So hmm. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> That's interesting. Yes. Okay, so Kaneem, if people want to uh, follow your stuff online, like, kind of keep track of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Where's the Where are the places? Um, I am. Um, I thankfully because and, and I have um I'm working with a gallery in Houston currently, Nicole. Okay. Nicole Longnecker Gallery, an unusual name, but um, <laughs> L-O-N-G-N-E-C-K-E-R, Longnecker Gallery. Um, two, uh, two amazing people I'm working with, uh, two gallerists I'm working with in Houston. And, um, oh, oh, and most importantly, I, I mentioned that because, so I have a web, my, my website is, it's, it is a work in progress, but it is up. Okay. I'd love for uh, I invite people to check it out. It is www.kanemsmithart.com. So that's K A N like Nancy E E M like mailbox Smith all together Smith Art kanemsmithart.com. That's my website. Cool. And I more than welcome people to check that out. Right on. All right, so I usually try to wrap up by asking people what's their geeky pleasure. So, like, what kind of uh, art have you been consuming, books, movies, posts, whatever it is, uh, that is sort of giving you life? I guess what's giving me life right now is um, I'm excited. I'm excited about the things I'm working on within my studio practice, Mm -hmm. and I'm excited about the music that I'm listening to that I enjoy that helps birth these, these, these ideas, these concepts of mine. I really, mm. um, I like a lot of different artists. I like an eclectic mix of music, but I'm really loving, like, for example, one artist I really love, Robert Glasper. He's oh, one yeah. of my favorite yeah. artists. He's just amazing. Um, him and, um, Brad Meldow and, mm. Um, I guess I'm going to say Miles Davis. Right. And I know that sounds crazy. As a woman saying I love Miles Davis, but (laughs) I got that kind of from my father. And not because of Miles Davis, the man who he was, because in his relationships and that sort of thing, but as a musician, as a musical genius, I just, it's like, my dad, it's like the music. I'm, I'm. I guess I'm geeked out by the music my father enjoys, or always enjoyed, and would play at home or in a studio space mm-hmm. in his practice. That I really didn't take much account 
accounting to or really didn't really didn't allow it to absorb within myself um, growing up. But I appreciate it now so many so many years later. Right. Because now I'm, it's like I get it now. Yeah. And it also gets to be a way you get connect and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you get new dimensions to your relationship. One of my homeboys that I grew up with, uh, I was always trying to get him into, like I would read a book and try to pass it to him. He would never read it. Like, never. Oh, now, okay. Now, at this age, he started listening to audiobooks And he's just like consuming them. He's like, yo. And so I'm like giving him books and he's just like knocking them out. And he's oh, like, yo, great. why didn't you tell me all this stuff was in books, man? You know? <laughs> well, you tried to. Right. Yeah. But that's it's dope, awesome. Because we've been friends for like three decades, and now we have a new dimension to our friendship where we can discuss these books, you I know? I love that. So that's really dope. Yes. Anyway, Kaneem, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It was a wonderful conversation. It was wonderful talking with you as well. It's an absolute pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> right on. Special thank you to today's guest, Kaneem Smith. Thanks to our listeners. Please be sure to subscribe to How Art is Born wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes. And if you can, leave a review. It really helps us out.